all right i've already recorded this once so let's see how um how we do this okay today i'm going to be covering jamie Kloss. i had a better intro but it didn't record correctly and my microphone is being stupid so i'm using my phone again um yeah we're doing jamie Kloss. if you don't remember who that is um you'll find out and i kind of wanted to do jamie Kloss because it's a happy ending and we don't normally get happy endings so yeah i mean it's as happy as it really can be being a true crime case um trying to think of the other things that i went over in my intro that i pre-recorded um or previously recorded let's think let's think um madeline and dylan are home right now so i'm trying to be quiet but also speak loud enough for you to hear me um i rearranged my entire room last night so if i seem a little out of my element that that's why you know my habitat changed it's my desk rotated a good 90 degrees um i'm staring at a different wall um yeah today i'm crocheting a pillowcase because madeline's mother donated donated gave me five giant bags of polyfill and so i've been trying to figure out things to use um polyfill with that i could have worded that so better so better (laughs) oh gosh um i've been trying to make things that i can stuff so that i can get rid of at least one of the bags because they're giant bags so i decided to make a pillow and it's cute it's like green and cream and i'll i'll post a picture of it when i share this episode but yes um crocheting that pillowcase talking about jamie Kloss. um what else what else what else i don't know today i'm drinking a lime bubbly um and it i did the thing on tiktok where you put cherry mio in the lime bubbly it it doesn't taste like dr pepper don't waste your time um it tastes like cherry bubbly um i don't know what else to do what else i was talking about i really hate when that happens because i would just ramble and i never know what i'm speaking about and then then i have to re-speak and it doesn't ever go as smoothly as it did the first time so i guess we'll just get into it so grab grab your snack grab your drink grab your project we'll get into this okay okay here we go ready are you ready are you ready hold on you're gonna hear a noise because i'm disconnecting my microphone from my computer because my microphone wants to be a little stinker so hold on now we're rearranging my desk so i'm not even gonna make any cuts in this you guys are gonna hear this real time okay sometimes life is hard and sometimes people have to do hard things and that's okay now my butt is unsticking from my chair okay okay here we go Jamie Kloss. Jamie Kloss was born on July 13, 2005, and is the only child of James and Denise Kloss. Um, they also had a dog named Molly. Molly is important later on in the story. Um, the Kloss family lived in Barron, Wisconsin, a small, close-knit town. James, Denise, and Jamie all shared a bond that ma- many families are jealous of. Jamie was a normal 13-year-old figuring out who she wanted to be in life and trying to do good in school, and James her dad was 56 and Denise her mom was 46 and James and Denise had met in a 
factory. I think it was a meat factory and fell in love. They got married in 2003 and two years before they had Jamie, they had both. I I read that wrong. (laughs) They got married in 2003, two years before they had Jamie and they had both worked at the local meat factory for 27 years. James was a very sport involved father. Um, He loved sports and because of this, so did Jamie. Jamie did dance, volleyball, and sometimes ice skating, and her father was almost always there. Uh, Denise loved flowers and gardening, and because Jamie and her mother were so close, they often did these things together as well, but sadly this all changed when a 911 dispatcher received a phone call at 12.53 a.m. on October 15th of 2018. Like I said previously, but it got deleted. I don't know why I wrote that so, so depressing. That was so sad. Um but let's continue so while the person on the other the other end of the line didn't speak the dispatcher heard the commotion and knew something wasn't right um and then the call disconnected so when the dispatcher called the number back they reached the voicemail of denise Kloss, and thankfully they went ahead and sent out officers to the location that the call was made from and just four minutes later the police arrived on the scene um but it was already too late so, when the police arrived, they realized that the front door of the Kloss home was kicked in, and as soon as they walked into the home, they found the body of James Kloss. It was apparent that James had died from a gunshot wound, and after walking a bit deeper into the home, they found the body of Denise Kloss, who had also died from a gunshot wound. Jamie Kloss was nowhere to be found. Reading this back, I realized how sad I wrote this. Why did I write it like that? It's not a dramatic novel. Um, it was assumed that Jamie was there when the murders had taken place because it was a school night and frankly, Jamie was usually with her parents if she wasn't in school. Um, officers thought that maybe she had run away for safety when her parents were being killed and now she was just too frightened to come out of hiding. Uh, they also thought that it was a big possibility that Jamie had done this herself and fled the scene, but that was pretty much ruled out immediately. Um, and then it was assumed that maybe the killer had taken Jamie with them yeah so denise had dialed 911 because someone had broken into their home um from the beginning i'm just gonna i don't know word vomit basically like from the beginning of the night well actually october 5th so this happened on october 15th but on october 5th of 2018 jake patterson drove to the kloss family home with the intent to break in and kidnap jamie kloss Thankfully, Jamie's parents were still awake, and he was scared off. Um, then, on October 7th, only two days after the 5th, you know math, I don't, um, Jake returned to the home to attempt the kidnapping again, but once again, activity inside the home scared him away. But, on October 15th, 2018, Jake made his third and final attempt to kidnap Jamie, except this time he was armed with a shotgun. Just before 12.50 a.m., Jake pulled into the driveway of the Kloss home and parked his car right at the end of it. Um, The home was kind of set up in a way that the house was facing a wooded sort of area. It was just a really, like, rural part of town. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. It wasn't in the country, but it wasn't in a, like, super lush neighborhood. Um, So the house was facing trees, basically, and road. And the driveway was off to the side of the house so he could easily pull in and park and no one in the home would see him. Um, So he got out of his car wearing a long black coat, gloves, and a ski mask. You know, the usual spooky attire. Um, And he was holding the shotgun. 
And when he approached the front door, Molly, the dog that I talked about earlier, began barking and she alerted the family. Good dog. Good girl. Um, Jamie was the first to wake up from the noise and she went over to her bedroom window to see why Molly was upset. This is when she saw a man in all black approaching the house and she went to her parents' room to wake up her dad. As any of us would. Um, I remember being a kid and like... I would hear the slightest thing, or I would think that I would hear the slightest thing. I wouldn't even hear something. I would just wake myself up in the middle of the night, and I just would sit up in my little bunk bed and be like, Mom? Mom? And she would never answer, because she's dead asleep. Um, yeah. I don't know why I felt the need to mention that. <laughs> you know what? But I do know from, like, reading on social media and watching TikToks that I've never had an original thought in my head. Like, everything that anybody else has done I've also done so I feel like collectively we all do the same things so yes (laughs) when James Kloss approached the front door he turned on the porch light and peered through the glass um because you know the front door had like a window on it um and he asked the person standing at the front door what they were doing this is when he saw that the man had a gun and this is when Jake Patterson yelled out open the Frickin', he didn't say frickin'. Open the frickin' door. Um, and he fired one shot, one shot at the door lock and one shot at James, which ended up fatally injuring him. James had told Jamie and Denise to run and hide, so they went into the bathroom to hide and call 911, but Jake forced his way into the house quicker than they had hoped. Um, as Jamie and Denise were hiding, Patterson walked through the house checking every single room because in his own words, he wanted to make sure no witnesses were left behind. This is when he sadly came upon the locked bathroom door and began to shoot it down. Now, I've heard that he shot the lock-in and was able to get in that way, but Mythbusters did an episode where they basically proved that it wasn't possible, so I don't know. I think Mythbusters lied to us. I don't know. Anyways, he got into the bathroom and found Denise and Jamie in the bathtub together, holding each other and crying. And Patterson had handed Denise a roll of black duct tape and told her to tape Jamie up. But because she was so shaky and scared, she couldn't. So he took the tape back from her. And this is when he grabbed Jamie and bound her wrist and ankles with duct tape and then wrapped the tape around Jamie's head, like gagging her with it, essentially. Like he just took the roll and taped it around her mouth but like around her whole head um yeah it's yucky after this he threw jamie out of the tub and when he got her far enough away from denise as possible he shot and killed denise right in front of her um after this patterson dragged jamie outside of the home i actually read somewhere that he told her to walk but then realized that he taped her ankles together so she couldn't so he basically just like grabbed her arms and dragged her out of the house um and then he threw her into the trunk of the car and just simply drove away drove away like he did not just kidnap a 13 year old and murder her two parents i don't understand um but you want to know like that's not even the worst part you want to know a super messed up part of the story while he was driving away the police actually passed him and jamie yeah like He had pulled over, like, 20 seconds after leaving the house, probably to collect his thoughts because he just committed a crime. And 
the ambulance and police and all that passed him. They could have caught him. Anyways, um, jumping forward a bit, at 3.30 p.m. later that day, an Amber Alert was put out for Jamie and her face was blasted all over the news. Um, And the theory was that either one person or a group of people had come in and shot James and Denise and then taken Jamie at gunpoint, which, like, yeah, not wrong. Definitely kind of what happened. Um, And the house was scanned for evidence like blood, fingerprints, hairs, footprints, really anything at all that they could get to give them a lead. But nothing was found. There was a single footprint in blood, which Jake had made when he ran out the front door with Jamie. Um, He stepped in James' closet's blood and made a footprint. It's gross. I'm sorry. But it happened. Um, But other than that, not a single piece of evidence was found, which indicated that the killer either really, really knew what they were doing and it was calculated, or that they had just planned this attack over and over and over and over and over. And it's that second part, because he, you'll later find out that he really didn't know what he was doing. Um, Thankfully, though, with this case being blasted all over the news, people were, or police started receiving many tips within the first just few days of Jamie being missing. And had these tips been accurate, Jamie could have been saved earlier, But these tips included things such as Jamie being spotted at a gas station in Miami, Florida. The caller claimed that they saw her in a black vehicle with two other men, but this tip was eventually proven false, mostly due to the fact that Miami was almost 30 hours away from Barron, and that would be impossible to do within that short span of time. Um, And police then went and spoke to the neighbors of the Kloss family home just to see if they knew anything, like they heard anything suspicious going on, or if they could see anything the night of the abduction murder. Um... And when I say neighbors, I don't mean, like, close up to the house neighbors. It's more like country homes, but they weren't in the country. Um, They're close enough to hear a scream, but not close enough to, like, see what's going on. So, the Kloss neighbors told officers that around 1230-ish, they think that they heard some gunshots, but it didn't really phase them in the moment because they lived in a pretty typical hunting zone. Um, I guess it being that early just wasn't dawning on them. I don't know, I grew up kind of in a hunting zone, and if I heard gunshots at early slash late at night, I would 100% think something spooky was going on. Um, And also, like, even in the city, I mean, I guess more in the city if you'd hear stuff like that, that late at night, you'd know, but if I even hear a car go by my window at night, I jump out of bed and I'm staring at the blind, staring through the blinds, one night, actually, there was, like, two fire trucks. I kid you not, maybe, like, eight police cars and an ambulance in our neighborhood Neighborhood at, like, 11 p.m., um, maybe even later. And Matthew and I just sat at the window with the police scanner on until we got so tired that we had to go to bed. Um, I had the coding for my area pulled up so I could decipher what the cops were saying and everything. Uh, I'm pretty sure it just ended up being someone that was, like, threatening to do something, but they never did something. And the old people in my neighborhood got spooked because I live in, like, a country club area. Who knows? Um, anyways, and I'm not rich. I just live in college apartments and they're by <laughs> a country club. Um, am I revealing way too much about my location? Probably. That was a disgusting noise. I'm sorry. My metal straw scraped against the metal can. Um, if you're stalking me, please know that you will never find me. Anyways, uh, police were finding it very difficult to get any leads, despite the thousands upon thousands of leads coming in across the entire country. The whole country was in on this, but they couldn't get any 
they couldn't really get anywhere with the leads. So then on October 22nd, a search team of around 2,000 volunteers went out to the streets and woodlands of Barron to search for Jamie. Um, 2,000 volunteers is literally two-thirds the population of Barron itself. So that's crazy. Uh, sadly, though, nothing came of the search, but officers had figured out what they were searching for. Or they thought they thought they had figured out what they were searching for. Uh, they revealed to the press that they were looking for two suspicious vehicles that had been seen near their class home. And these two cars were a red Dodge Challenger and a black car that was either a 2004 to 2010 Acura MDX or a 2006 to 2010 Ford Edge. I don't know cars. That's just what I read. Um, later on, when they discovered a bit more about the case, they recanted those statements and said that they were no longer searching for these cars. I don't know why. Investigations are hard, okay? We don't judge. Sometimes we do. It depends on how well they do. I just burped. Anyways, then on October 24th, Jamie's aunt went on the air and spoke out to Jamie, just in case she or her captor were watching. And Jamie's aunt was named Jennifer Smith, and I'm pretty sure that's her legal guardian now. Don't hold me to it, but I'm pretty sure that's her legal guardian now. So Jennifer said, Jamie, we need you here with us to fill that hole we have in our hearts. We all love you to the moon and back, and we will never stop looking for you. Your dog, Molly, is waiting for you. She's sleeping in one of your sweatshirts. Oh, that's so sad. So shortly after this heartbreaking speech, the FBI offered a reward of $25,000 in regards to Jamie's location, and just a few days later, I think it was two days later, actually, the reward ended up being doubled to 50000 which is amazing. Um, and on October 27th, James and Denise Kloss were laid to rest, and the police arrested someone named Kyle Janky. Anis? Anis? I don't know. It's spelled J-A-E-N-K-E-A-N-N-I-S. You pronounce that, okay? You do that and you get back to me. Um, yeah. Don't know. Um, now, he was not arrested in connection to Jamie's abduction or the murder of her parents. He was actually arrested for successfully breaking into the Kloss family home. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, police had put up motion-activated cameras at the beginning of the investigation in case Jamie or the murderer uh, came back to the scene of the crime, and Kyle was caught on these cameras. Police were able to get to the house extremely quick and arrest Kyle, who claimed that he was just trying to steal from the home, but not, you know, not things that he could sell for money or, like, money itself. He was literally trying to steal Jamie's tank tops, dresses, and underwear. Which seems really spooky. It does. Um, but he claimed that he was just curious as to what size she was, and he didn't think anybody would miss the items he was taking. Sir what? Come again? Uh, so anyway, some way, somehow, police came to the conclusion that Kyle was not a suspect, and they let him go for the charges in Jamie's specific case, but he was put on for burglary charges, so he did he did break an enter, so he got those. But he wasn't charged for the murder and kidnapping itself. Um, and like I said earlier, a lot of people wanted to assume that Jamie had done this to her parents and ran off with a secret boyfriend because it's just one of the easier answers. But after looking into Jamie herself and the dynamics of the family, they were able to rule out that theory completely. Um, a lot of people also assumed that Jamie was taken into human trafficking and would never be seen again. 
as well as a victim of a burglary gone wrong or even the result of a dispute between her parents and one of their enemies. You know, all the typical things that are nine out of ten times the answer. Um, But with no new updates in the case, the public quit talking about it as frequently and behind the scenes, or but behind the scenes it was still being worked on. So public just kind of let it go. That sounds bad, but there were other cases. Um, But behind the scenes it was still actively being sought out. And in early January, a photo surfaced online that showed a woman and a man embracing. And the man um, is like, he has his arm around the woman's head and he's like kissing her cheek. The lighting is really dim and the photo is really low quality. But people 100% thought this was Jamie and her secret boyfriend that she ran away with after murdering both of her parents. Um, If you look at the photo next to a picture of Jamie at that time, you can tell that it's not her. The woman in the photo is much older looking than Jamie. She's 13. She's a baby, okay? Um, she had different colored eyebrows, and it just, it really doesn't look remotely close to Jamie at all. But people love to speculate about the worst. You know, they love the tea, they love the drama. Me too. But um, just a few days later, on January 10th, 2019, Jamie Kloss was found alive. Um, I, I hate saying that she was found, because she wasn't found. She escaped and got herself out and found. So Jamie was found about an hour away from Barron, Wisconsin in Gordon, Wisconsin. Um, She was just running around the roads in Gordon trying to find someone to tell. And she ran up to a woman walking her dog and told her that she was Jamie Kloss and she needed the police immediately. Thankfully, the woman knew who she was because of the news. And she said that Jamie was really skinny and dirty and wearing shoes and clothing that was far too large for her and looked like men's clothing. And the woman actually didn't have a cell phone on her, but she took Jamie around to an area where there would be a phone and helped her dial 911. Um, And it took police 20 minutes to get there. I'm not sure why. Maybe they had to come from Barron and they just sped really, really fast. I really don't know. Um, But while she was there, she was denying food and water, probably because she was in shock she had gotten away. Um, I I probably wouldn't want to eat either with that big of an adrenaline rush. So when the police arrived, they took her straight to the hospital to see if she was injured. And honestly, probably to see if they could get any evidence off of her. Like, I know that sounds gross and bad, but she was abducted. Um... And she ended up staying at the hospital overnight and seemed overall, like, pretty healthy for someone that was kidnapped for as long as she was. Um, she was actually really calm about everything, and either that's just because she was a super strong 13-year-old or she was still in shock. Um, she was telling police that she had escaped on foot from a remote cabin in the woods and felt as if it was two hours away from Barron, from what she remembers while riding in the trunk of Patterson's car on the night of the attack, um... It probably felt much longer because it was only about 40 minutes, but in the trunk of a car of a kidnapper after watching your parents get murdered. Yeah, the car ride probably feels pretty long. Um, And then she described what her abductor looked like in immense detail. Um, And because she gave such great detail of what he looked like, the police were able to drive out to the area the cabin was in and in patrol cars and... um, I sometimes I read what I type in my notes and even I don't know what I'm trying to say 
I'll read exactly what I, I'll read exactly what I, um, typed, and maybe it'll make sense. The police were able to drive out to cabin, patrol cars, people passing by. (laughs) I think I was trying to say that the police were able to drive out to the area the cabin was in and patrol cars and people passing by. Um, and within nine minutes of Jamie being taken to the hospital, he was arrested. So he was found driving around the cabin, probably looking for Jamie because he realized that she escaped and the police came across him and just because of how well she described him, they knew he was the person she was talking about. And also, like I said earlier, he was immediately arrested on suspicion of murdering James and Denise and kidnapping Jamie. And this is when we found out that the man was 21-year-old Jake Patterson, who was an unemployed man with no previous criminal record. Um, He had just been arrested for murdering two people and kidnapping the child and had no previous record. Yep. So, the night of the abduction, he had driven Jamie out to that remote cabin, and when they arrived there, he had sat Jamie in the hallway and began removing all of the tape from her body. Um, I can't imagine the face tape, because it was wrapped around her entire head, like on her face, on her hair. Ugh. Um, after he removed the tape, he told her to go into his room and get undressed, so he could take her clothes and probably dispose of them. Um, and for the next 88 days, Jamie Kloss lived in that cabin with Jake. And that cabin, the cabin had a sign over the door, the front door, that read Patterson's Retreat. Sick. Sick. Chilling. Goosebumps all over my entire body. Patterson's Retreat. Where Jamie was held for 88 days. Yeah. Um, Jamie was kept... Can I stop saying um? I, it literally makes me so mad and I can't help it. Jamie was kept in a cellar room for the majority of the time during her captivity. And the room was full of cardboard boxes, a broken ceiling fan. Um, I just said it again. Patterson had basically just thrown a quilt over a mattress and some stuffed animals. Um, it's very kind of him to do for her. So she was allowed to roam around the cabin while he was home, uh, but then he would often have friends and relatives over, threatening Jamie that if she made any noise that alerted them to her, he would do bad things to her. And when he did have people over, he made Jamie get underneath his bed that was probably no taller than like six or seven inches, and she was to lay under there until the friends and relatives left. He would line up various objects around the perimeter of the bed and put weights in front of them so that she couldn't escape, and even if she tried to escape, he would see that the weights were moved and know that she was trying to escape, and then he would, he said he would do bad things to her. She only recalls one time that he, like, actually hit her with something, with the, with the handle of a pan or something, I don't know, um... But yeah, he would mostly threaten her that if she made him mad or did something that he told her not to do, he would do bad things to her, in his exact words. Um, And he would also put music on extremely loud in the room that she was held in, so that if she were to move around or try to yell out to get help, no one would really be able to hear her. And this, oh, I hate this part. So on Christmas Day, he left Jamie under that bed for 12 hours while he and his family enjoyed the holiday right outside that room. 12 hours under a bed with no food, 
no water, and no access to a bathroom with the fear that if you wet yourself, your attacker is going to come back and punish you for not holding your bladder. All while you can hear a family in the room outside celebrating Christmas. Makes me physically ill. Then, on January 10th, Jake told Jamie that he was going to be gone for five to six hours and made her get under the bed like he normally did. He assumed that Jamie was too scared of him to try to run away. But, after he left, Jamie managed to push the weighted objects away from the bed and crawl out. And, in a rush, she grabbed a pair of Jake's shoes, put them on the wrong feet. That's how, that's how not focused she was. And frantically headed out into the snow. In a panic, and I'm sure with an insane adrenaline rush, she was searching for someone to help her and fearing that at any moment Jake would see her. And this is when she ran into Jean. She, I, I think her name is Jean Nutter. That sounds so bad. And I know Matthew, if he's listening to this, he's laughing. But I'm pretty sure that was her name. Um, and that was the woman that was walking her dog. So Jean got to a phone and got Jamie the help that she needed, which led to the arrest of Jake, as I explained earlier. Um, sorry, I did a very poor job at writing these notes in order, but that's okay. This is fine. Well, at least we're here, okay? We're here. So Jake then explained that he had no previous connections to Jamie or her family, and that he didn't even know any of their names until he saw the news report the next day. What the frick? What the frick? Um, he told police that he was on his way to work one day when he saw Jamie get on the school bus and he knew in that moment that she was going to be the one he would take. So he did have a job at some point. But I I think he may have quit it for this and I have a theory, so just listen. Um, Jake also explains that he was super lonely and didn't have very many friends. So I almost wonder if that he had always envisioned kidnapping somebody for company. Like a like a friend. Um, and he was just constantly on the lookout for the perfect victim. And then he found Jamie, and so he quit his job because he knew he was going to kidnap her. You see what I mean? Anyways, that day that he saw Jamie and knew that she was the one he wanted, he ended up stalking her to find out where she lived and watched her routine and everything like that. And, like I said earlier, I don't know how many times I've said that this episode, but he tried two times before his successful attempt and then he explained that he was going to keep trying until he had her, and he would stop at nothing. Yeah. Jake planned this, you know. It, it was planned. This was premeditated. The day before the third and successful attempt, he shaved his face, he shaved his head, he took care of anything that would leave evidence behind, he stole his father's shotgun, and he even tampered with the trunk of his car, making sure that Jamie could not get out. Um, most cars have, like, a, a glow-in-the-dark strip or buttons that you can use to get out if you're ever locked in someone's trunk but jake got rid of all of that and in jake's version of events because his his opinion matters no um but the way that he told the story was that the night went like this um he pulled into the driveway and made sure that all the lights in his car were off he made sure that when he opened the doors the interior lights would stay stay off stay down (laughs) stay off um, and when he approached the house with the shotgun, he saw James Claus standing in the doorway through the glass of the door. He had a flashlight, James did, and he was shining at a Jake, so Jake yelled at him to get on the ground, but when James didn't listen, he shot him. He then shot open the door, so yes, Mythbusters lied. 
and then he walked through the home to find the locked bathroom door, which he also shot down, and he found Denise and Jamie huddled together in the bathtub. And we know basically everything else from there, like with the tape and Denise's murder. And then he said that he drove him and Jamie 40 minutes to Gordon, passing the police on their way, but he claims that when he got to the cabin, he gave Jamie his sister's clothes so that she would have things to wear. How kind of him to throw that in there, you know? How kind of him to let us know that he is human. He said that then he burned Jamie's clothes and his own clothes the night from that night in the fireplace. So he did get rid of the clothes. Um, and not really to end things abruptly, but there isn't much to it after that. Jake was described, as usual, in the news, a quiet, shy boy who was nice to his family but loved video games more than anything else. Um, he was a poor kid of divorced parents and pity, pity, pity. Uh, basically, he was a white male who murdered people, so he needs a sob story to make sure that he's not that evil, you know? Um, and in the end, he was charged with two counts of first-degree intentional homicide, one account of or one count of kidnapping and one count of armed burglary on January 14th of 2019, and his bail was set at $5 million in cash. Homeboy is not getting out. And on March 27th, he pleaded guilty to two counts of homicide and then the one count of kidnapping. They dropped the burglary charges because he didn't actually steal anything. I don't know. Um, on May 24th, he was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole and was given another 40 years for the kidnapping. And while he was being held in jail before his sentencing, he wrote a letter explaining that he was very sorry for his actions. Um, no, you're sorry you got caught, sir. And he only committed these crimes on impulse. Brother, these were planned. These were thought out plans. Okay, try again. Another sick part that makes me believe he had planned to kidnap someone for a company, um, he told reporters, and I quote, We were just like watching TV, playing board games, talking about life and stuff. We cooked a lot. Everything we made was homemade, you know? He thought this was his friend. He thought this was his girlfriend. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, he also was registered as a sex offender on June 20th of 2019, and then on, uh, or in August of 2019, an inmate tried to beat him up, <laughs> so he had to move facilities, and he now sits in an undisclosed prison in New Mexico, rotting, as he should. And that's it. That's all. That's Jamie Kloss. Also, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on it because I didn't 100% look it up, but I'm almost positive that Jamie Kloss was rewarded her own reward money because she found herself queen queen um and her and molly are reunited and jamie is what would she be now 19 20 20 i love that i count on my fingers she'd be like 15 16 now um don't go find her i don't think that she wants to be seen um but yeah that, that's the story of Jamie Kloss and how she rescued herself. Because she's a boss... But... Woman. <laughs> um, and I think, like I said earlier, that her aunt has custody of her. Or her grandparents. I'm not sure. But you know what? She's going to live a wonderful life. Because she's literally one of the strongest people to walk this earth. So, that is all, folks. Um, I'm going to take 
a quick picture of the pillowcase that I'm working on so that I can show you guys. And yeah, you guys rock. Thanks for always sticking with me when I have my stupid technical difficulties. Today's National Tequila Day. Um, it's the 24th of June. No, no, it's the 24th of July. Um, you'll be hearing this on the 25th. So when you're hearing this, I will be hungover. Because I'm going to get marks tonight. So, you guys rock. Okay. Um, lock your doors and don't talk to creepy men. And also drink a mark tonight. Well, it's Sunday. If you work tomorrow, don't. Um, but if you're listening to this not on Sunday, do it. You know what? Do it anyways. Okay. I love you guys. Bye.